Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is still looking for a defensive coordinator. My name is Paul Hirons and joining me in the sewing room is actually our track record. We might be recording this. They might have hired a, a defensive coordinator while we're on the air, actually. But yes, in the sewing room joining me is the end to my dry January, the frantic to my defensive coordinator search, the Valentine's to my day. <clears throat> my special dates for the evening it's nathan palmer everybody good evening everyone uh hope you're doing well we've actually been moved into a room perpendicular to the same room tonight much to my amusement or interest should and i say surprise Sur- surprise yeah so that's all what even is this room this is my landlady used to be in a band and this used to be their home studio so it's got lots of sort of soundproofing panelling on the wall. It's got um, soundproofing panelling. It's got these things hanging from the ceiling, which is making me a bit nervous. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's where they, I'm sure that's where they used to hang microphones from. But it could be like... <laughs> I hope it was just microphones. Yeah, it could be, it could be a lot worse. But um, yes, welcome back to Cincinnati. There's been a lot of activity and we're going to be going through that. We've got uh, Paul Dana Jr. from The Inquirer coming back onto the podcast because we couldn't think of anyone better, really, to talk about the comings and the goings at uh, Paul Bram Stadium over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but let's start with the big news. The Bengals um, have signed Brad Kayer, quarterback of waivers. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That, that is Our problems are solved, Nathan. That is... Um the, the, that is unbelievable news, isn't it? Well, they gave up a waiver wire pick for him. It's a fair play, you know. It's a fair play to Brad. Yeah, Brad. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, uh, I can hear people asking who the hell is Brad Kaya, and uh, we are too, really. But um, he sixth was a, round pick. Yeah, he was a he was a rookie in Detroit, wasn't he? And um, I think Brian Callahan, our new offensive coordinator, oh, really? worked with him. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, no, I mean, really, it's just a challenge Driscoll. Yeah, Jeff apparently is over in London at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, he might be staying in London if Brad uh, works out. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But let's start with, um, yes, we're at the end of dry January, but we're still drinking soft drinks, I'm, I'm sorry to say. I'm still kind of edging my way gently fourth, back into... Like AJ Green with his, uh, with his foot. Yeah, that's right. I'm edging my way very gently into the world of alcohol again. Uh, and Nathan, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you not drinking? I don't know, to be honest. I'm just trying to like keep my nut together a bit. I was in uh, the Ukraine last weekend, which got a bit <laughs> okay, out of hand. Here we so, go. Um, yeah, this, this strawberry and rhubarb squash you got me this evening, going down a delight, a treat. I know, instead of craft beers, we're now going craft oh, cordials. Craft cordials, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is slightly... There probably ain't a podcast out there for craft squashes. I don't think there are any craft squashes out there, really. Well, well there probably are a few artisan... Well, yeah. That's genuinely something to think about. Yeah, it really is. You could do some like posh Waitrose cordials, like blend them together, like grow out some hipster sort of beards and stuff. Yeah. I'm telling you. Well, That's well, the way it's going now. Everyone wants no alcoholic beer, vegan food. Yeah. Like knocking out these squashes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being serious, mate. Well, let's let's do it. And uh, well, the podcast has already taken a turn for <laughs> yes. something. Uh, Tweet us your hipster squash flavours. 
I've got a feeling that we're not going to get that many I tweets on that. I reckon you get that. a couple. A couple, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, okay. Okay, let's get to the real business. The uh, US listeners, by the way, sorry to cut in, don't yeah. even know what squash is. Well, they, well, when Rosie this, didn't have a Scooby-Doo what it was when she Well, when I listened back to last uh, the last episode when we started talking about squash, <laughs> of course, squash in the US means, like, a vegetable. Squash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're probably thinking, they're drinking vegetables? <laughs> what, what are they talking about? Do you know what I mean? And I, I'm sure point. that I, so I know what what yeah, Rosie yeah. is talking about there. She's like, "What is that stuff?" Like she's like, "Cause she, had, I gave her a glass of it when she first came to the UK, and she just spat it out. She's like, I don't understand what it is. What she didn't understand? Well, the no, because they they just yeah, like they'll just have like orange juice, yeah, or water. They don't have this like concentrated cordial with water. Episode forty, we'll do a <laughs> squash spe- special. Uh, it's quite a weird drink, though, when you think about it. It is. It's just basically flavoured water, right? It's like a... Yeah. Anyway, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? We We've got 20 minutes in Paul da- until Paul Dana comes on. We've got loads to talk about, and we're going through yeah, the on, definition right, right, of what quick, squash what's, what, what, <laughs> right, Anyway, yes, uh, Zach Taylor had his press conference. So was, we got him. We've got him. We've got a new geezer in after 16 years of Marvin. Yes. And Marvin, of course, uh, popped up on the AAF as a oh, colour commentator. It's like seeing your ex, isn't it? You want to see what he's doing, like see what she's up to. He was looking like, smart as well. Yeah, see that jacket. That's what I mean. You want to see what he's saying as well. Like, you know, you know, like if you've got an ex, you want to see, you want to scan on their Facebook and stuff. Like, you know, I'm not happy about <laughs> seeing him on there. Yeah, <laughs> it's too soon. It's too soon. Like, too raw. He should lie low for a few months. Like, what's he doing this soon? Like, well, I think it's quite nice. Was he good? Do... I haven't heard him. Um, he got an absolute pasting on Twitter, <laughs> saying he's like really dull. And I think I watched it like two. Or th- he had a Tony Romo moment where he, he? predicted a play. They the the team. I can't remember who it was. It was Arizona versus someone else. And one team was on the goal line, and he predicted the play. Okay. And the commentator was going, "Oh, that's oh wow! You've had your Tony Romo moment." And mine was like, going, "Yeah, you know." <laughs> Apparently, well, from what I heard, his energy wasn't great. Yeah, he was being Marvin. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an odd choice to be a color commentator. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, good luck. He's to never him, really but... been the most personable geezer out there. Well, he? he is personable, but he's not the most kind Maybe of charismatic. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He personal. hasn't got he hasn't got that sort of Romo level of intensity or energy. Yeah, because that's why geezer love right. He's so up and down, and oh my god, and German. Ugh, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Another another priceless impersonation of Tiny <laughs> Robo next week, <laughs> listeners. Uh, but yes, Zach Taylor was introduced um, to the media and to the world, and I thought it was lovely because he had his kids in there. Yeah, yeah, and you heard that uh, Katie Blackburn was there carrying his luggage through the corridors of, of Paul Brown Stadium, and um, <clears throat> you know, as apparently she sorted out his kids with a little gift pack with shirts and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that's just all good, and he came. Uh, I thought he came across reasonably well. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Yeah. The stuff that he said, I actually weirdly the other night I went down a YouTube rabbit hole, <laughs> and uh, I saw. Um, uh, Marvin's first press conference when when uh, he was yeah, announced yeah. as uh, introduced as the new head coach of the Bengals, he basically said the same thing as <laughs> Zach Taylor did. We're going to come in here. We're going to make yeah, everyone yeah. accountable. <clears throat> we're going to, you know, kind of. We're going to change the culture. We're going to do this. And basically, he said it well. He came across quite mm. well, I thought. But really, what he the, the substance of what he actually said, there wasn't a bit waffly uh, in it. Yeah, I mean, he said what you expected. 
Yeah. yeah. So what, what did you think <clears throat> of him? Yeah, I thought he came across well. I thought it was funny him that that it was a horrendously awkward encounter with him and Andy Dalton, where they'd like <laughs> yeah. the camera straight in front of him and they're yeah. like, "Hey man, I'm like, watching your tape," and yeah. like, "Oh yeah, like really excited." Like, Ugh. yeah, you're cut on Monday. So. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, it all seems good. I mean, he seems like a nice guy. He's got reasonably good energy about him. <clears throat> um, I think it's quite clear. You know, we'll move on to the staffing hires, but it's quite clear that he's very much. Young, creative, trying his hand at new things. He's giving people a chance. You know, I worry a little bit about the inexperience of all of it, and we'll come on to that. But I'm certainly, you know, certainly going to give him a chance, you know. And you just got to let him roll with it, roll out his system and see where we end up. It's still, you know, I think he's not made any moves yet as such. That bringing in that Brad Kay or whatever his name is. They went the after a linebacker whose name yeah. escapes me. But he so they've, that, they've started like rolling the wheels a bit. But it's still far too early to yeah. you know, really understand anything. So after Zach Taylor, there was Brian Callahan who was mm. mooted by the media. Uh, yeah. He came in from the Raiders and I thought he came across really well yeah. uh, <clears> in his <throat> chat with the, the media. Um, and then everything was going well, and then it's easy. Yeah, yeah, I know where you're going with this. And then the announcement that they'd hired Jim Turner as uh, offensive line coach, and uh, I certainly wasn't happy with that hire. No. I know a lot of people were not happy. There's nothing to like about it. The geese is not not only with the Miami thing and the you know the thing that have you seen those slides he put out on those presentations? It's just, I mean. It's just not fun. Just really inappropriate. Just bits, yeah, like and really unprofessional. And yeah, especially when you've got that on your back as well. Like to go ahead and do that, knowing this scrutiny. Why would on you. you do that? You've seen the, the slides. I'm yeah, I did. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the <coughs> stuff about the blow up dolls in Miami. Yeah, poor it's taste like, in it. Yeah, exactly right. You know, I. A lot of people are saying it's it's homophobic, and you could argue either way. Actually, I think, but it's just really just inappropriate and. Poor taste and poor judgment. Yeah. I think that's where, I mean, I know Zach Taylor's sitting there and he's saying, look, I'm very comfortable working with Jim. He's, a, you know, he obviously knows him well. They're friends. They go back a long way. <clears throat> what The only thing that concerns me with Taylor's hirings is all of them are like chums, like yeah. geezers he's worked with. He's not necessarily gone outside his circle and said, I've heard this guy's good. I've got recommendations. You know, I'm going to put some, you know, uh, sort of, um, a recruitment process out there and see who the best person is for the job because <clears throat> you know if I started up a new business tomorrow I wanted to just get all the people I've worked with in the past not everyone just because I'm comfortable working with them yeah. it's an easy transition then you can understand that right? are the best people for the job so it's a, it's a difficult you know and there's a lot of inexperience there I mean Jim Turner the, the other thing with him he's never he's been that good brilliant. of an O-line coach he's never coached particularly great offensive lines around the league so it's a bit you know, that, that one in particular is a bit of a head-scratcher, other than the fact that, you know, he works well with Zach Taylor. And also with Jim Taylor, you know, we have Carlos Dunlap, who, you know, yeah, exactly. was our Walter Payton Man of the Year <clears throat> nomination, who campaigns tirelessly against bullying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get a guy in who was accused of bullying. Mm. It just doesn't make sense to me. And yeah. like you said, I mean, he just sounds like a dick, if I'm being completely honest. And, you know, if I was any advice, to, you know, I'm all for pe- giving people a second chance, you know, that's the world we live in. Um, but it's kind of like he's done, this is like repeated inappropriate behaviour. Uh, there's no, you know, if it was a one-off, you can kind of say, okay, second chance, you know. But, you know, if it's, it was a repeated behaviour <clears throat> like it is, then do you say, it's yeah, you know. It's, it's poor and you don't really want geezers like that 
around the team, but it's still not. It's not as bad as Joe Mixon's done, or other players like, like domestic no. violence. So no, I mean, no, no, bullying no. is poor taste. It should, you know, no, you don't want it in that in any locker room or organization. The, the slides just a bit, bit, you know, a bit like a joke gone too far, a bit poor taste. None of it's actually real bad, like. Domestic, domestic yeah, violence. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Outrageous but saying like that. that is, is that the kind of guy that you want no, in your no. locker room? Frankly, even if he didn't have any of those character issues coming in as a coach, you'd be a bit like, Meh. yeah, I think it. There's, there's you know, a. It wouldn't the, even be that exciting. There's a two pronged argument against Jim Turner. <clears throat> One, his behaviour. Yeah. And two, it, the actual product that he produces. If you see what I mean, it's yeah, the actual yeah. quality of the lines yeah, that yeah. he's worked with and you know you could kind of argue that he's not been great really but you know let's give a geezer a chance you know what i mean well let yeah <clears throat> begrudgingly so i'm not happy about it though no, I mean, no. and that's put a real sour taste and it just smacks a little bit of hypocrisy from zach turner I yeah have to say. It's, it's a funny move to make knowing you get kickback well he said it's not he? worth it for well, an he said that coach. he was expecting this kind of reaction yeah and that's the thing if you go and bring in someone like kareem hunt and you know i would talk about that later if you want but you're getting an elite player that's going to produce on the field. It doesn't really make much sense to bring in a character issue and a bit of a smear. Like, you know, if you're coming in as a young head coach, don't take flack like that for an O-line coach. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Frank Pollock was a, re- regarded very highly in the locker room and around the league. Just leave the geezer there. Don't, yeah. you don't put yourself out on a whim and take some flack over some geezer you used to work. There's no point. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, let's just go through the uh, the coaching situation because um, obviously we've got Zach Taylor as head coach. Um, Dan Rossfeld was hired yesterday on Tuesday from Mola High School yep. as uh, assistant head coach. <laughs> so Dan Rossfeld, uh, I mean, again, a lot of Bengals fans going, from a high school? Are you yeah, kidding? Yeah. But, you know, again, he's highly regarded. He's worked with Zach Taylor before. Uh, he's going to do lots of admin stuff to help yep. Zach Taylor out. I've got no real problems with it. I hard, mean, to, a, hard to know what to say with that, isn't it? It's a big jump from a high yeah. school to a professional NFL franchise. But, yeah. you know, he ain't going to be marking any papers anymore. <laughs> um, uh, so, yes, we've got Dan Rossfeld as assistant head coach, offensive coordinator uh, Brian Callahan. Uh, Darren Simmons and Braden Coombs, who's very highly rated, stays on the special teams team. <clears throat> Quarterback coach, here we go, my favourite, Alex Van Pomp. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, running back, uh, Jamel Singleton. From the Raiders. From the well, Raiders, yeah. again, you know, you could kind of, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Jim Turner as offensive line coach, uh, Ben Martin as uh, offensive line assistant, Bog, Bob Bog, Bob Bicknell stays at wide receiver coach, uh, James Casey has been hired as tight end coach, he's very recently uh, come out of the league as a, as a player, so that'd be interesting to see, again, mm. another young hire. <coughs> um, we've got the secondary coaches, Robert Livingston and Durante Jones, staying a new strength coach. In Joey, but I think it's Bose, but Bowie's or something like that. So we're still. So that's all fine. He's filling out there, but there's one key position. Yep. Uh, we've still got to find it. I'm not sure if Jacob Bird is staying or not as defensive line coach. Uh, but certainly we're looking for a linebackers coach, 
And certainly we're looking for a defensive coordinator coach. And the names that are it's now... a lot of in, names, isn't there? Well, yeah. I mean, Jack Del Rio says, th- thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, which Don Capers. Which said, kind of thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Which I'm not too fussed about. I'm disappointed about Del, Del Rio. Yeah. They the must have had like a, a, a not quite sort of you, synchronicity we, when it comes to yeah i think i think someone like del rio would have really like stuck that whole team together a bit because zach taylor happy giving a young guy a chance you know really really good so he's stepping up but the theme the theme along all of those coaches all of them feel like they're stepping up they all feel like they're getting a promotion you're not bringing in guys with a lot of experience that have done well that maybe didn't work out for a bit and then want a fresh start and I think it's great giving young people a chance and you know giving people promotions and people with a lot of potential but all together is a bit risky because do you know what I mean who's holding who accountable you know is there that veteran leadership in there to say look bang your heads together and on the defensive side of the ball to bring in an ex-head coach in someone like Jack Del Rio, who's been around the league a long time, runs for very strong defences, you feel like that would have been a really good hire on that side of the ball, a bit like Wade Phillips in LA, where uh, Zach Taylor worked. Yeah, I agree. And um, I don't know, I was disappointed because of the yeah. reasons that you mentioned. But Ross Tucker put out a tweet um, saying that he couldn't quite believe that the Bengals didn't have a, or Zach Taylor didn't have, uh, a DC lined up for this post because uh, you know it's a bit of a mess because they're still searching and it does seem to from the outside looking in we'll ask Paul a little bit about this that in a, in a few moments that um, they've had to kind of scramble around a bit because yeah, their yeah, top yeah. choice has kind of said <clears throat> no, I'm not quite sure about this so they've got the names that are out there at the moment is Aubrey Pleasant yeah, from, from the Rams, Rams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, DB coach. <clears throat> Todd Grantham, the DC of Florida. Uh, Mike Elko, DC, Texas A&M. Aaron Glenn, the uh, defensive backs coach at New Orleans. And ex-Falcons uh, defensive coordinator, Marquand Manuel. Yeah, yeah, saw that one. Yeah. And just, um, just going on names, Aubrey Pleasant has to be hired, I think. <laughs> oh, what, over Marquand Manuel? Yeah, I mean, what a, what, 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 what a choice. <laughs> I know. They wanted that Dennis Allen as well from the Saints. That was another geezer they were after, wasn't it? But he, he signed he a new signed extension, the new deal. yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of names tossed about for that. There's got to be nearly 10. Uh, I mean, Todd Grantham <clears> apparently <throat> is interviewing today. Yeah. But you look at his track record, it's probably the the least impressive. Oh, album. really? Yeah. I mean, he went to Louisville and uh, he was coached at Louisville and they were terrible. I think I, think I was listening to the Paul and Fletcher Page on the BBP last night. Um and they were saying that he was, I think he, he was coordinating the Browns in the mid-2000s. I might be wrong on that. Um, so he's not that impressive in terms of, you know, his, his track record. Uh, Mike Elko is well, well regarded. Aaron Glenn is well regarded, as is Aubrey Pleasant. Apparently he's like this, got this mad energy, a bit like McVeigh. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be another Rams guy. Um Yes, but it just feels a bit like they're scrabbling around. It's risky, all of it, isn't it? It is risky. It's it's quite, I mean, you know, it's good, it's different, Mm. and we asked for it. Everyone asked for it. We said, blow it up, bring in the young guys, let's try and get some energy going. (laughs) It's risky, isn't it? I'm I'm actually more nervous now than I was when they hired Zach Taylor. I just thought, you know, that's great. Zach Taylor, bright young offensive mind, as the the new catch buzzword is in the NFL. 
Um, but now the fact that they're really scrambling around for a defensive court, and that's such a crucial, mm. especially with Zach Taylor being an offensive guy, you yeah, want yeah. A, a defensive coordinator that is experienced, or at least if he's not experienced, certainly very innovative. Yeah. So it's so yeah. hard to know as a fan though what a good coaching <coughs> staff looks like because you can look at records and you can look at um you know w- where they've ranked for all these different bits and pieces and their credentials but it's so hard with those positional coaches and yeah. even with coordinators <coughs> to really know how good that person is and what the talent they've worked with in the past the organizations they've worked with in the past i mean yeah. you know just in the professional work you've got places like businesses out there that are failing businesses with amazing people working there and vice versa amazing businesses with terrible people working there so it's very very hard to just look at that and from where someone has been say oh they're going to be a good fit or bad fit I just think the people jumping up quite a few levels between the you know as the key theme throughout the staff makes me a little bit nervous fine for one or two guys to take that step up but for a lot of them yeah like you know guys coming from college guys coming from high school guys coming from other NFL squads getting promotions feels a big you know it's going to be a learning curve for them with a team that is almost are we winning now or are we winning in a few years well exactly that, that, it, it asks that question that we talked we about the last ha- couple of weeks we do have even co- more so because it feels to me like a blow up job well we'll see I mean I, that, it could be could be could be they're uh, not talking about it with Dalton like that the way they've very much presented it yeah he's like Andy's the guy but I guess how else would they yeah I don't <laughs> I mean, it's a big got question. A, it is a big question, and, and they've got to they've got to figure it out very soon because the combines in a couple of weeks, free agency is looming, mm. and then it's the draft. So you know they've got to put their foot down a little bit. I think it feels a bit like a blow up job. Do you? I yeah, and I don't think anyone would actually mind that. I think people actually. I think you if know, they got rid of Dalton, drafted a quarterback, or even we just went with Driscoll for a year or whatever, they wouldn't, I don't think they'd go. No, with but even if they went with someone for a year, like Brad, anyone, Brad Kaya, come on, hot Brad name. Kaya. But even if they went with anyone like that and almost like not tanked, but just knew that okay, we're going to get a quarterback next year, we'll trade everything up, we'll stockpile yeah. some picks to do it. I think the fans would be absolutely fine with that. But you, I, I don't know. I just got a bit of a. We'll see. That we, squad we'll feels see. like that. It feels like a learning, like let's to, to, reboot. Let's completely I don't think start it needs over. A, I don't think it needs a reboot. I think it I might think get it one. Needs a reboot. It might either. get one. Um, but I feel like that's what he'd want to do as yeah. a new head coach. It's like when you start a computer game, you just want like your own squad on Football Manager. Yeah. You want to get rid of all the stuff that's there. Insert your own players. Insert your own philosophy and go from there. Not many new head coaches want to come in. And, you know, deal with what was there already. You want to kind of clean it out, bring in your philosophy, your vision, and then go with that, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, yes, that is very true. And Zach Taylor is a quarterback guy, as is Brian Callahan. So I mean, it's, it's almost pointless guessing because you just don't yeah, know true. at the moment. But it's kind of fun to speculate. I, I would say there's a, from j- just looking around on Twitter and what, there seems to be, I don't know, 70, 30, 60, 40 even um, split in favour of getting rid of Dalton. Yeah. There seems to be that. What do you think? Just uh, quickly. I, I, I personally think they'll keep Dalton, but I wouldn't be surprised if they draft a QB quite high. Okay, yeah. But then yeah. again, if you don't get a QB, just looking at what's available, if you don't get a QB high in the first round even... There's a little bit of a drop off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
to what's next. So I think, I you think know, they'll probably and I think there are need <clears throat> there are bigger needs on the team yeah, yeah, than yeah. a quarterback at the moment. Yeah, agree, agree. So I wouldn't actually be, be surprised if they kept Dalton. Yeah, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they extended Andy Dalton. Oof, you know, really? I, I really wouldn't. So it's that really is a coin flip job at the moment. Depends how he plays next year and depends what they want to do. There could be Kyler Murray sitting there at yeah. 11. There could be Dwayne Haskins sitting there at 11, although I don't think they will no, be. No, I don't, yeah. I think Dalton's probably what they're looking for in a pass. He's a West Coast. I mean, he thrived under I think, Jay Gruden. I think, and I think that that's is what the, Callahan wants to I do. I think Callahan and Taylor are, are those pure West Coast guys. Get it out of Dalton's hands quick. I, th- I think that is Dalton's saving grace Yeah, because he's actually pretty good at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, well yeah. known for getting the ball out quickly yeah um i think though they'll either want a quarterback like you said early this year or if they don't get the guy they want at 11 if the you know haskins or whoever they pick as their guy at 11 ain't there then i think it'll be next year i don't think either one of them will want andy dalton there going into the 2021 season we will see i think it really is a coin flip <clears throat> really because yeah. again i think uh, the whole west coast system is Dalton saving grace and yeah, all this. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But and I also think the the other saving grace for Andy Dalton is the fact contract. that contract, the contract is team friendly. Yeah, uh, but also there are bigger needs, and I just think you know we have to f- absolutely draft or pick up a right tackle. You know, even yeah, a, yeah, another yeah. guard. We have to sort that right hand side of the lineup. But we can talk about it. We go round and round of this, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. and So do get in touch with us uh, at whoday underscore UK and Bengals UK on Facebook to let us know what you think. And now it's time to welcome in our special guest, direct from Cincinnati. It's our favourite Bengals journalist. Uh, it's the Inquirer's Paul Dana Jr. Welcome back to Cincinnati, Paul. Hey, yeah, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Um I'm thinking that this is a bit more of a manic off-season than you kind of bargain for or care to remember really they're stealing my dead period from me why are they doing that (laughs) (laughs) this is supposed to be that dead uh two to three weeks between the super bowl and the combine where uh you know i can sneak in a vacation and take it (laughs) decompress for a little bit but instead it looks like we're just gonna press the gas pedal and blow right through the wall into the combine since we're still kind of going right now. And, of course, it steals valuable time from your beloved mock drafts as well, doesn't it? Oh, I know. <laughs> I haven't put one out yet. I have not put one out yet. That's been the one good thing with all of this other coaching stuff going on. It's allowed me to push mock draft season back a little bit. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people would be uh, thankful for that, not just your mock drafts, but our mock drafts and everybody's, the, the draft noise that normally comes at this time of year. But let's dig into Zach Taylor a little bit. Uh, we saw his press conference uh, last week. And things have been moving fairly quickly. Just sum things up, your first impressions of Zach and uh, certainly Brian Callahan. Uh, we'll get on to Jim Turner in a moment, but certainly when it comes to Zach and Brian, uh, your first impressions of those guys. Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, look, they are young. They do not have the experience of most. Um, that's part of the exciting aspect of Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, and that's also the scary aspect. I, I, I think that right now I would argue that the combo 
of Taylor and Callahan, and even to a lesser degree, you could throw Alex Van Pelt and even his assistant Dan Pitcher in there. The combo of them is probably the best thing that the organization has going for it right now and what they could do for the offense and for Andy Dalton. Uh, and I would say in most organizations, that would be the scariest thing that it has going for it right now. <laughs> and that probably gives you a little insight to the state of the franchise and where they're at, just because no one really knows anything. It's unproven. Neither has ever had to create and imp- implement and execute uh, a playbook and, and a plan and teach it all the way through. So for them to all have to do it together, they're obviously very bright. Uh, they've talked a lot about communication and culture and used a lot of sort of new age buzzwords that we didn't hear a lot around the building. Um, and, and they are, they're very, that is one thing that is clear. I mean, Zach Taylor's is, uh, he's a great communicator. He's got a, a very high, um, emotional intelligence, um, really knows how to deal with people. That is all very apparent. Um, and it seems that's been very apparent in a lot of the people that he has hired. Uh, whether that will translate to the field is yet to be seen, but certainly from a leadership perspective, you can see why the Bengals felt that he blew them away in the interview. Is that the counter? I mean, if, if a person is making an argument saying that Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan are too inexperienced, is the counter-argument, like you mentioned, that they communicate on a whole different level to say, I mean, what Marvin did, they know because of the actually because of their age, they can actually talk to players on their level. Is would that be the counter argument to that? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's why you are seeing um, so much of this hiring cycle was what it was, which was young offensive guys. Because you know, I, I do believe that the league is uniquely positioned right now for young coaches to thrive more so than in the past for one what you mentioned i mean the young player they just they act and think and need to be taught very differently than players from even five ten years ago this this is a very different generation of player offense has never evolved more drastically and changed more drastically uh over the course of just a few years like we're seeing now and and you throw in an analytics revolution on top of it that's happening in the league right now and if you are not on the front edge of that uh you will quickly be left behind and i think the thought is that all of these young people who grew up in that world who are very similar only slightly older than a lot of the players they understand the social media generation, they understand the analytics boom, they understand how to motivate people of this age, and I think that's why you saw that, whether you're talking about Matt LaFleur or you're talking about Cliff Kingsbury even, or, or even dating back to recent years to other young hires and the you know the success of Matt Nagy and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan to a lesser degree because he's been sort of snake bit by Jimmy Garoppolo. But, I mean, you know, you <laughs> you see this working. You see this model working, and that's why it was so heavy, this cycle. And I think, you know, ownership views that as the future, and that's where they want it to be. I, I think that they are uniquely positioned to have success. Um, but then again, Nobody can know for sure because they've never been asked to do it, and that's the, that's the risky part. 
Paul, you're talking about um, Zach Taylor, obviously, you know, coming in there with a different approach, like being more flexible, looking to be more innovative. And, you know, with a lot of the coaching hires that he's brought on, these are guys that are taking a step up or, you know, he's sort of giving them an opportunity, quite young, a lot of them themselves. Do you think that the ownership will look at that in things like the draft and things like free agency, where in the past they've been quite conservative and say to Taylor, look, we're willing to be more flexible and open during these things now? Or do you think the Bengals as an organisation will sort of be slightly more firm in that, you know, staying firm in their draft positions and being slightly more conservative in free agency? You know, I, I feel like, you know, they, they interviewed nine different candidates for the head coaching position. And I, and I, I know a few of them and as far as what their model was of what the organization should look like. And I can tell you most of them said that there needs to be more aggression in free agency. Yeah. That does not mean, um, you know, going buck wild and spending $120 million on three defensive players and overspending that. But Duke Tobin is still, you know, the one making, pulling the trigger on a lot of that stuff. His philosophy has been very strong. He's never backed away from that. You do, you build to the draft, and you you pay second and third wave free agents because the first wave is nothing but overpaying dramatically for someone who you don't know if they're going to fit in your system because there's more variables. This isn't like baseball. You can't you can't bring in Manny Machado and know that he's going to play third base hit the same way for you that he did when he was in L.A. or in Baltimore mm. because there's uh, there's all these other players in different systems, just a ton more variable. So when you bring in free agents, particularly those maybe reacting to having money for the first time and being around a whole different group of players and different systems, their performance level can change dramatically. And now you're overpaying for somebody potentially who's not super. But I don't think that will change. I don't see them suddenly being first wave players and dropping, you know, $15 million on a slot corner, like Bryce Callahan or whatever you want, whoever you want to pick. I don't see that as the way they're going to be. I do think you will see more selective aggression. And to be honest, we saw that last year, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. people will, people will forget um, because it was a trade, but really Cordy Glenn was a free agency move. I mean, they mm, added yeah. an eleven million dollar left tackle to their system, to their biggest position of need. They found somebody who was a veteran from yeah. another team, and they found a way to do it at an affordable rate that they could get out from under if they had to via trade and giving up nine spots in the draft. So it's not like they hadn't been aggressive. They they were aggressive in going after Tyler Eifert. They were aggressive in going after Preston Brown. You can argue that both of those kind of backfired in their face, but their head was in the right place, and they were trying to be aggressive in free agency. They spent more than they anticipated doing. They're not, you know, spending like all the uh, the crazy, uh, some of these crazy franchises that you see, but they were certainly more aggressive. So I think that on top of a new uh, young influence, uh, from Zach Taylor, I think you will see more of the same and maybe even 10, 20, 30% more in free agency from them. But like I said, I, I don't see them suddenly being day one free agency players going after you know the top free agents out there. Yeah, I mean, if they do go, if they do increase their activity in free agency by 20 to 30%, that would represent quite a, that would actually represent quite a shift, I think. But uh, it's going to be very interesting. I want to just touch on the defensive coordinator search because uh, 
Okay, here's a question. We've just seen like uh, how many Aubrey Pleasant, Todd Grantham, who apparently uh, is interviewing in Cincinnati today, Mike Elko, Aaron Glenn, Marquand Manuel, the best name ever. Um, do you? Is it a mess? Paul, that's what I want to ask. I saw Ross Tucker's tweet. <laughs> I saw Ross Tucker. Should we be worried? Because it feels like they're scrabbling around a little bit now. Or is that just yeah, fans I, being fans and overreacting? Well, yeah, no, I mean, there is some overreaction to it. But look, clearly they had to scrap plan A. And if you really want to get further into it, plan A, B, C, and D. I mean, you can go back <laughs> all the way back to Vance Joseph. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there was interest there in the very beginning when they weren't going to hire him as the head coach to be a defensive coordinator. He goes to Arizona. There was interest with Jack Del Rio, but Taylor and Del Rio didn't think that, that was going to be a match personality-wise. Um, there, you know, there was interest in Dennis Allen from New Orleans, and he ends up, uh, you know, getting an extension from the Saints out of the mm-hmm. deal. There was interest in Dom Capers, and they offered him, and he says no. And at that point the blueprint of Wade Phillips, which has been out there for every team, to hire a former head coach, experienced defensive coordinator type, kind of had to go out the window because those dudes all said no. Yeah, right, right. And so, you know, you you adjust on the fly. Paul, can I just interrupt for a sec? Yeah, go ahead. Just real quick, um, why do you think they said no? Was Was it just like a clash of... You know, the scheme wasn't right, the vision wasn't right, the, the shared uh, kind of, uh, as I say, vision for the team wasn't right. Why do you think that those guys like Del Rio said no? Well, I, you know, I would say that there's probably hesitancy over whether Zach Taylor is going to be great. I mean, none of those guys really had direct personal previous connections mm. with Taylor, um, you know, Del Rio, they shared an agent, and I think that was part of trying to pair them together. Right. Um, you know, Allen, they were trying to pull him out of a great situation. That's just hard to do. I mean, pulling somebody out of New Orleans right now, good luck. It's like trying to pull him <laughs> off Bourbon Street at 8 o'clock. Like you're not, it's not something that's gonna, that you, you see happen often. Um, and, and Capers was kind of out there, but he had, that's the one that maybe you're a little more surprised by, but not everybody is going to buy, uh, you know, this super young staff, and there is a national stigma around Cincinnati that exists for those that haven't been here, that aren't familiar with it. Nationals certainly have no problem taking their shots and making it seem like the organization is a joke, um, and and that's all fine and good, but that that does affect you when you when you get into these types of these types of spots. Mm, absolutely. Um, Paul, we were discussing just before you came on, like looking at the future for the Bengals and trying to understand if this is a team that with Zach Taylor wants to win now or if it's a team that is going to be rebuilt to perhaps compete in two, three, four years down the road. What's your opinion on that? I said, and I've been saying this, you know, for about a year now, I, I oh I felt like this 2019 Bengals team was going to be very good no matter who the head coach was. I, I thought last year's roster was really on the cusp, and they were four and one and five and three, and the bottom fell out injury wise uh, of a catastrophic catastrophic level of like I've never seen before, mm-hmm. and 
And, and so I, I tend to view last year's roster as a four and one, five and three roster. I had them at nine and seven before the season. I think they were a nine and seven team, and but they were young. They were the second youngest team in the NFL. They're not hardly going to lose anybody in free. Now, that's where this gets interesting, right, is how much will Zach Taylor and his staff want to churn the roster? Mm-hmm. Do they view this roster as a rebuild? And how much influence will they immediately have on that over Duke Tobin, who's been building this yeah, that's uh, for, that's for a while now, for really since, since post-2015, and 16, those combo years where they just had the floodgates opened and the talent just flowed out, and they couldn't pay everybody because they had all those great drafts, and those guys' contracts all came up, and it was Marvin Jones and Mosinu and Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler and all these stars uh, left, and they couldn't keep everybody since then. They've been, they have been in rebuilding. I don't think fans have quite picked that up. The 2016 and 2017 teams were total rebuilding, rebuild years. They, they had hope of being good, uh, but for the most part, they, they hemorrhaged talent. And you can't do that and think that the draft is immediately going to fill in because you have what? You have Tyler Boyd trying to take the place of Marvin Jones. Mm. Well, guess what? Even with Marvin Jones or Mosinu, it took two, three years for them to become that. And we saw the same thing with Tyler Boyd. It takes two to three years to become that guy necessarily. You're not going to always get immediate hits. Mm. And they and they also had an absolute atrocity of a draft in 2015 that set them back another year. So you're so you're talking about all that trying to happen. I mean, they they have been in a rebuild that has been building towards this hot spot. Mm. I mean, they have this year and next year, their roster is full of guys and that, that are really emerging in their second, third, fourth season where they had a ton of picks. And a lot of them have had really nice early returns. And they have, they still have the last few years of Dalton and Green. We'll see about Dalton, what exactly happens there. But Dalton and Green uh, and Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap also here where you have that mix of veteran uh, and, and young players where you can make some things happen. So I, I, I view this as a roster that's in a good place. This is not a rebuild. It was a rebuild. Now, we'll see how much Zach Taylor views the need to kind of reconfigure that. But I think for the most part, Duke Tobin's going to say, we've got the players here to do what you want to do, so let's go with a lot of those guys. Wow, I'm actually feeling quite positive after that, Paul. Um, yeah, you're right. I, th- I think you're I know, right. I'm, sh- I'm all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> Absolutely. You can come on again, mate, honestly. Um, <laughs> Paul, really, um, we're going to let you go now, but it's, I mean, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks and a, a couple of months, isn't it? Um, not least because you're an Everton fan, and I saw a bit of back and forth between <laughs> you and Andy Dalton when uh, when the two teams met with each other. Do you do you converse with Andy Dalton? He seems like a bit of a a bandwagon jumper. If I'm a bit honest, That's supporting Man City, City. absolutely. Yeah, He's a shocking. total bandwagon jumper, and I tell him it to his face all the time. <laughs> absolutely, and uh, as does CJ. <laughs> it's a, it's a, the three of us, myself. Andy and CJ Uzama all are into the Premier League, and now CJ has been a Chelsea fan for a long time. Right. Uh, Andy just Andy watched there was an all or nothing series on Man City. Uh, right, yeah, he right, became right. a fan of them through that, and so he looks a little bit like a bandwagon jumper. And I just said, you know, I just 
as an Everton fan, I just live in self-loathing uh, and just <laughs> hate every moment of my fandom uh, and just wait for everything to fall apart. Uh, so I, I often just go immediately into that mode whenever I try to have actual uh, soccer or football discussions yeah. with them because their teams clearly do not operate in the same level uh, of uh, optimism uh, as, as as I do, as I'm always just mostly sad and depressed. <laughs> well, we've gone from really positive to really negative now, haven't we? So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's what happens when you when you when you go oh, no. from uh, you go from go go from anything to Everton right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, uh, chin up, Paul. We're here if if you yeah. need us. Um, but seriously, thanks for all your coverage and uh, keep on keeping on. We'll be locked into you guys as ever as the draft comes up. And uh, thanks for all your help and uh, thanks for coming on again. Cheers, Paul. No problem. Look forward to seeing you guys this year uh, over in London. It's going to be great. You bet. Cheers. Well, there you go. That was Paul Dana Jr. I can't heap enough praise on Paul. You 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 must out there listen to his He's uh, sharp pod. as a knife, that guy. He really yeah. is. Uh, but what a lovely guy as well. He, you know, those him and Fletcher Page's coverage of the Bengals are just invaluable. Can you yeah. imagine this 10 years ago? We're getting un, 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 unprecedented coverage, not least because of our podcast, but their <laughs> podcast as well and all their coverage. And also, I will say, if you're interested in Cincinnati and Cincinnati culture and politics, Paul does another podcast called oh, really? That's So Cincinnati, which is actually a really good listen. It's got, you know... There's a lot of po- political stuff, a lot of stuff that's going on in the city. There's a lot of music and culture and journalism. Uh, him and the Inquirer team do that, and that, that's, that's really cool. worth it. Yeah, that's yeah, really that's worth it. Cool, cool. But he really, I mean, he's positive, isn't he? Well, positive to the extent where actually, you know what? This team doesn't need to be blown up. No, he. Prob- I think he made some very, very strong points. You know, there are some very good players on that team. There's, you know, the the money side of it and the contract side of it's strong. We've not got many free agents leaving. Mm. Um, there's a lot of young players. The second youngest roster, as he alluded to, coming into the season last year. So there are some reasons for optimism. There definitely are. I just think when you bring in um, a brand new coaching team like that across the board, apart from special yeah. teams, yeah. you feel like it almost necessitates, and as you see a lot across the NFL, mm. a complete clean sweep, start again, reboot the Well, reboot that's, the, that's motor. the thing, isn't it? I mean, as, as Paul said, you know, they were four and one, five and three, yeah. which is kind of about where you might have expected to, them to be. But then, obviously, with injuries and all the rest of it... It's a shame last season. I don't want to go backwards, but it's a shame about last season because, you know, you look at that 4-1, and 5-3, and three, and if we hadn't have had the injuries and mm. stuff like that and we just held on against that, you know, that Pittsburgh game, um, you kind of just feel like it could have potentially gone somewhere because, mm. you know, it's a good team. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think there, I, I still maintain the nucleus is there. There are good players there. Yeah. We do need... There are some very obvious points of, of need there. Uh, which we'll kind of hopefully address in free agency. And, yeah, I mean, if, as I say, if if the team do uh, increase their activity in free, free agency by 20 to 30%, that's quite a significant jump there. So we'll, we'll just... Do, do you know what you've got to look at in free agency? 20 seconds on this. On. You want to look at who's available, and I don't know this, who's what? available from the Rams and from the Raiders. Because you're bringing over Taylor, obviously, who's yeah, going to know yeah, that yeah. roster inside out. And it also is. you're bringing over Callahan and the is it Jamal, the running backs coach. The you're very, bringing him over. Yeah. 
they're going to know the squad. And if they're, so far, it's been very close knit in terms of bringing over people you know. I would not be surprised at all to see a couple of guys coming over from those squads. You've just had a bit of a Romo moment because you, before you came in the door and started stealing all my squash, um, <laughs> Evan Sil- Silver on Roto World did a big free agency um, kind of roundup and who needs what and all the rest of it. And he said, far removed from the Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler era, this offensive line should be blown up promptly. New coach Zach Taylor has connections to free agents, left guard Roger uh, Saffold uh, yeah. in uh, in LA, and right tackle Jawan James from uh, from past stops with the Rams and the Dolphins. Yeah, so there there'd be two names, to and follow. he seems to be quite keen on um, Dolphins stuff. Um, so who knows? I mean, I've watched names there big time. Yeah. Okay, we've got some more stuff to talk about. First things first, let's do some quick fire things. Quick fire. Jeremy Hill. Oh God, yeah. I think he's a little bit. I said on Twitter what I thought. I thought it was a bit, uh, bit, 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 bit sad. A bit like bit, In, from bit who? Bitty. Just from everyone, I think I think Jeremy Hill is poor, but he, the fan, a lot of fans are very very sad, and you know they <laughs> they are though. Like, Controversial. You know, Jeremy Hill wins the Super Bowl, like yeah, it, you know the geezer didn't do anything. He ran four plays from I think got about 10, 15 yards, and he's parading around the Super Bowl ring. Let, let the geezer do it, like, and you got all these people tweeting him. Oh, what did you, do? you know? And I could understand him coming back and be like, I mean, he shouldn't have said it. It's a salty comment. He's a player. He should be better than that. But then I think all these fans to lose their lose their nut and be like, oh, we, you, you fumbled away this and go mad. It just all feels a bit pathetic. All yeah, of it, I agree. But from I, the start to the middle to the end, I think. Well, um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think. I think my take on it was that um, if Jeremy, if someone had tweeted him first and kind of said, uh, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Uh, and then him coming back with like, God, you know, what must it be like to be a Bengals fan or whatever? Then again, that's kind of fair enough. He's getting low. If he's getting a bit of lip, then he's perfectly entitled to have a go back. Yeah, yeah. But if he just tweeted that out randomly, then it's like, come on, mate. You know, you've done f- all this season, and you're like, you're being a bit of a John Terry, <laughs> and just like joining in on the on the team photograph. Yeah, I know what you mean. And you know. You know, it's a bit sad. Yeah, on but his the thing part. is, the thing is, when but you're then f- again, I, it's like I stuck up for him when he fumbled. Mm. I I rooted for him to become. He's let you down. He's let me down, Nathan. Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, he's arguing. The geezer, you know, he ran four snaps for the Patriots this year. That's more than any yeah. fan ever does when any team wins a Super Bowl. So yeah. to him, he can say, you know, I was out there on the field, I participated in trading, I made people better. Whereas I don't know, I, I, I just not, I, I, I think I think he needs to hire a good social or PR person yeah, to tell him just true. to like don't don't be a knobbend. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean you, 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 you won a ring, but you didn't do anything really. Yeah, you know, and to have a go at fans, the majority of which I think kind Jesus of were behind he bought you. his merchandise and supported him. You know, yeah. when he was here, I mean, he had a couple of bad seasons at the end, but the fans were quite behind him as yeah. they are all players. Yeah, but yeah, poor actually on Jeremy Hill's part. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> A bit, uh, bit bitty though. It was a bit. Kareem Hunt rhymes with. <laughs> anyway, he's back. He's with the Browns. They they they're the team that's taken the plunge on the uh, the domestic abuse. I was surprised by that. I thought I didn't think that would come out for a while. I thought he might be out of the game for a, six eight months. Like, but don't eight, you think a year at least? Don't you think that's down to the NFL to do that? 
You know, what any is the deal with a the suspension there? Are they just waiting to see? Like? I don't know what the deal is. It's the same with um, Foster, isn't it, who got signed by the Redskins after being cut by the 49ers. They signed him, yeah, but yeah. pending some sort of investigation. There shouldn't be this delay. Yeah, no. There should be a ban for a year at least, or two. Yeah. Because well, these yeah. are serious, serious, serious... I, I just um, think the NFL, you know... You, we love the game, but the NFL don't know, don't know how to run a... These are horrible situations that you're seeing across the league with pe- things like that. I mean, yeah. you know, we were talking earlier about the our offensive line coach, um, Jim, Jim Taylor, Turner. Turner. Turner yeah. Jim Turner. And I mean, that's poor, but this stuff's different On planet. Diff- oh, absolutely. You know, you're going around kicking people, like kicking women, domestic violence. And you've seen it a lot. You've seen it with Greg Hardy. You've seen it with Joe Mixon. You've seen it with Kareem Hunt, Ray Rice. It's not getting any better, really. And I, I really think there needs to be a stronger example set. And the sad thing is, is you know, on our team, and I'm not going after the geezer here, but it's true, you know, you bring someone like Mixon into fold, he's a good player, he says and does all the right things. I can't knock his character since he's been at the Bengals at all, you know, and I believe in second chances, X, Y, and Z. But once a player starts playing well, it's all in the past. And with Kareem Hunt, like with Michael Vick, Mm. Michael Vick, that dogfighting stuff was disgusting. Yeah. He comes back, he, he served time in prison, the geezer, comes back in, he lights the league up, and now he's on all these media outlets doing all this and that. Chad Ochocinco got done for domestic violence, right. head, headbutting his missus. He's now, everyone's starting to warm back to it. I don't, you know, you know, things are forgotten quite easily if you do the right things and say the right things. And these guys, including Joe Mixon, when he was in the draft process, have got the best PR teams in the world. Yeah. Teams that spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars making sure you say the right things, you do the right things, you're seen in the community, you're behaving the right way, and fans are fickle. They're just get, they're quite happy to get past it. They just want to watch the football. They mm. don't want the politics that goes with it. And I think sometimes that's a very difficult balance to strike. Yeah, I think I think someone like a Kareem Hunt. Um because we're talking about Kareem Hunt, you know, he'll probably be great for the Browns. You know, he's a great player. As a football player, As a yeah, football player. I, I but agree, I, yeah. I think it comes down to the NFL to take tougher action. This guy should be out of the league for at least a year. At least, well, Like, yeah. straight away. Yeah. Um, no pending nonsense or whatever. Yeah. This guy should be out, or guys similar that commit, you know, as you say, domestic abuse, violence against women. Should, is Real abso- bad, bad It's absolutely well, reprehensible, like and, and that should be cracked down. Yeah. And I, I just think it's the failure in leadership of the NFL. Yeah. Um, and that's what's really worrying. Yeah. Because uh, they just keep doing it. They just don't quite know what the hell to do. Yeah. And to me, it's quite a black and white issue. I mean, the NFL is, yeah. I mean, stuff like that's got to be a year, couple of year ban at least. Totally, yeah. You know. I mean, you could, there's there's every argument for the NFL to say, you know, lot from a branding perspective, we, we just don't want that. Sorry, you're banned. Well, yeah. I mean, it, th- know, that would make sense, you know. If, it's uh, on camera. Yeah. You can, there's no way you can prove you're innocent. We do not want you to be associated with our and, league. And, and, and what, why would you let him go and play in the XFL? Yeah. Let him go and play in this new league that's popped up. Like, let, let him do it. But I think the NFL would do itself a massive favour to do something like that and take a high line because... Roger Goodell, the geezer, I mean, he needs to hire whoever these people's PR firms are because he, he takes a beating on stuff like this. Time well, he's, after having time, a shot. he's not a great leader, I don't he's, think. He's getting beaten time after time again with issues like this, and it, it doesn't get any better. Like the Kaepernick stuff as well, yeah. that's ugly. Yeah, he's you not. You know, I Eric th- Reid and the kneeling stuff. I think stuff. he's a very poor commissioner, actually. I don't think he's got a clue I think in the last doing. couple of years, the, the, the image of the NFL 
has deteriorated quite badly. And that's down to poor leadership and poor decisions, I think. Yeah. Another thing I want to add about the Kareem Hunt, anything like, you know, the Ray Rice thing, why is this not a criminal... Yeah, I don't understand that. Why is yeah, it, I was going to say these that. These are, you know, criminal offences that should be dealt with, I, with the, by the law. And it's like... I think there's like, a lot of situations there where it's set, settled outside of court, financial settlements and things like that. Well, um... It was bound to happen. Kareem Hunt was bound to get signed by someone, and the Browns took yeah, that plunge. Sadly, and he'll be great for the Browns because well, I mean, that, that's a serious team now. If you're talking from a football sense, <laughs> absolutely, and with all their first round, Nick picks. Chubb as well is incredible. Yeah, let's not talk about the Browns. Um, we yeah, we've almost been going for an hour, but we've got quite a lot of uh, correspondence. So let's rattle through these, shall we? Thanks again for all your messages and tweets and Facebook messages and all that kind of business. Um, at uh, Peter Dadswell, let's start with this. At Dadders, excitement for the future mixed with fear of the unknown is an intoxicating blend, is it not? As our resident Bengals historian Paul, after a generation under Marv that has dulled excitement levels of Bengaldom, is this the most exciting time that you can remember in Bengals history since our trip to the Super Bowl in 1989? Cool. Wow. Uh, being a positive person, I'm excited at what the future brings. I like how coaches are being specifically targeted because of their traits and scheme fit just as much as players traditionally are. If you can't block in a zone-blocking scheme, you won't get drafted on the O-line. If you don't coach the zone-blocking scheme as your staple scheme, then you won't be employed to coach. It just gives the impression that there is a well-thought-out master plan for the immediate future, which goes some way to allay my fears of the unknown. That's good points. Very good points. Yeah, I, I mean that's what, obviously what Taylor's doing, but I do get the sense that he is kind of, as Paul said and we said, you know, kind of he's reached sort of Plan B or C or D on the defensive side of the ball, and that's slightly worrying. Yeah. But in terms of the most exciting, no, I mean I think 2015 was the most exciting time, that 12 and four season, right up until the moment Dalton got injured. You know. Yeah. You know the coming into a season though. Coming into a season, I think. No, that 2015 season I think was was exciting because I think whether it was whether it was the the year before the year before the last Marvin reboot I think yeah yeah that was quite exciting I think um, but it's certainly something new this is certainly something you know that we're not used to which is probably why we're quite edgy mm. the fact that all these new coaches are coming in. There's lots of speculation on whether they are actually first choice or second choice. It's just like, are we worried for no reason? We should just trust Zach Taylor, let him get on with the job and judge him yeah. on results and performances. I you feel know? like we're just as likely going into next season to win four games as we are 12. Yeah. It's such a complete yeah. unknown we're going into. Right, thanks, Dadis. Um John Lucarotti at Living La Vida Luca. <laughs> that is one of the most solid handles I've heard in a you while. You love that handle. That's don't a you? very solid handle. Well, we're gonna have a <laughs> we're gonna have solid handle of the year. That's I think, solid handle. Is that um, first time caller as well? Yeah, first time caller. Welcome, John. Uh, he refers to the last episode, episode thirty-eight. Great episode, chaps. Read the TV shows. I can't help thinking that Paul would be a great addition. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. To Lovejoy, <laughs> if they still made it. Some sort of small recurring 
antique collector role with a particular interest in Edwardian <laughs> silver. Now you're talking, John. You um, took the words out of my I mouth, love, Well, I love that. I love a little cheeky Lovejoy role, I think. I'd have to grow my hair out a little bit uh, into the 80s mullet and maybe purchase a, a leather jacket and some stonewashed Quite jeans. a leather jacket. I could see you in a leather jacket. You yeah, I could. Um, but yes, John, I would, I would love that. Um, speaking of TV shows, you mentioned last, uh, last time around... Uh, wouldn't it be great if Nathan was in EastEnders? Well, by the power of Grayskull, um, I've I've been doing a little... Uh, what are you talking about? Jiggery-pokery on the internet, which sounds weird, but it's not. Um, and uh, I've managed to construct a one-off exclusive <laughs> episode of EastEnders uh, featuring a certain Nathan Palmer. <laughs> I don't even like the guy. Where is this guy? Right, here we go. <laughs> Mate, that is genius work right there. <laughs> straight out of the Vic. Straight out of the Vic. Now, for our US <laughs> listeners, there's some explanation. <laughs> we have a soap opera over here called EastEnders, which is based in London, full of Cockney geezers and geezerettes. And the prime geezer in EastEnders is pub landlord Mick Carter, played by uh, Danny Dyer. And... Uh, so it had to be, you know, we speculated last time what Nathan <laughs> would be doing. He'd be like Mick Carter's great villain or kind of adversary. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of fun looking through I was gonna clips. Say, I was going to say. Um, the only downside to that is listening to you for about three hours <laughs> trying to pick out bloody sound bites that would go with Mick Carter's. <laughs> we need to get Danny on this podcast, don't we? Oh, I imagine. That. He wouldn't have a Scooby-Doo. He would, would not have a clue what was going on. Anyway. I hope you enjoyed that little exclusive <laughs> EastEnders episode. Um, you do one every week? Uh, well, that's the thing. We could have suddenly like a Bengals UK soap opera, couldn't we? <laughs> uh, no. That, that reminds me of that, that clip reminds me of that bad lip reading. Yes. You know, you just compile a load of those random things together and like, play yeah. them in. Yeah. Well, you know, Thank maybe you we'll that, do that's very, you're very welcome. Uh, let's crack on with the questions. Ben Wintle at Shabba Dabba. He's back to Shabba Dabba. It's still a solid handle, that game. He's right? gone from Suplex Rosa. That to was my, one of my favourites okay. as well. A lot of people are saying they think the Bengals are in win-now mode. We have been in a win-now mode for the last three years, and that hasn't worked out very well. I think we need to maybe consider trading veterans and look to the future. Is it time to end the Dalton Green era? I think you have to refer back to what Paul was saying yeah, about very interesting. rebuild. Um, is it time to end the Dalton Green era? We spoke a bit about in that last episode. I mean, and in, in this one, I it, it could be. It could be. I'm, I'm on the fence a bit. I think yeah. probably no, but... We'll see. Yeah. George at George, no, sorry, at G-X-O-R-G-E-O-3. I don't know what that means. Um, simply, I like this guy, Sim- simple question. And Kyler to the Bengals, Kyler Murray, who, was, who announced himself mm. that he was going full on into football. With his PR team, saying yes. he'd never go to baseball. Um, oh, Kyler to the Bengals at 11... I say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no. I don't, I don't think you'll be there at 11 either. Okay, there you go, George. Uh, Dreams of Witness at D Witness. Hello, Jimmy in Japan. Leaving aside the massive elephant in the room, are we not slightly concerned that a mediocre Dolphins regimen seems to be the spine of this great new reboot? 
and or people connected to ZT via uh, family ties or past jobs. I mean, that is that, that is, is a, a good fair point. point. I it mean, is, I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit worried about that. But, um, you know, again, they might be all be fantastic hires. You just never know, do yeah. you? Lord, no... Um, Richard Dixon at Lord Rixendale. Solid handle. How many fan-speak mock drafts will Son of Ray complete between now and the official draft? I reckon it'll be at least 56. Well, uh, my lord, um, <laughs> I don't know. I've done about a dozen, but I'm not putting them all online, right? I'm going to put a few on. We're we talking a dozen per day? No. A dozen <laughs> in, you know, when I'm bored, which is frequently, um, I will have a little tickle on fan-speak. Little tickle, little tickle, tickle, a not little dickle. <laughs> <laughs> what you said? It's not little, that kind of dabble. It's not that kind little of dabble on the old fan speak. It's not that kind of website. Um, <laughs> Turn the lights off. Get under the covers. <laughs> put a few scented candles on. Get in a can of that. Lock the door. <laughs> put, put, um, <laughs> and do the fan speak. <laughs> Here we go. Put a bit of uh, oh, don't, don't. Put a bit, put Sade on the on the stereo. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. Um, no, I've done a few. I'm not going to put loads on this year, but the, I think it is quite handy to put the odd one on Twitter just to stimulate conversation. And content, and dis- exactly. It's not really content, is it? Um, <laughs> VB at Von Blade. There's been some solid handles tonight. All the yeah. big lads are coming out the big, tonight. The big handles are out tonight. The big handles are out. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm not... Oh, no, it's not that one. I need to do that one. Sorry. Jamie at, at Trequart Beaster. Um, with the sad death of Gordon Banks today, there are a lot of replays of his save against Pele in the 1970 <clears throat> World Cup. What is the most spectacular thing you've ever seen a Bengals player do? You can't mention Jerome Simpson as Ooh. it's too obvious. Yeah, it's a good shout. Now, again, just to uh, let uh, our American listeners know who Gordon Banks was, he was a goalkeeper in the England football team, reckoned to be the best ever. Yeah. And in the 1970 World Cup, they played against Brazil, who were and arguably still are the best international team that's ever played the game. Uh, and Gordon Banks made a save from a Pele header, which was a fantastic header, actually, that almost sort of defied belief. Uh, I, I Just Google Gordon Banks save in YouTube and you'll see it. Um, so, yeah, it's a sad day because, you know, he, he mm. was, you know, he was, a, he, he was a legend and he's, he's widely loved in England throughout the country and, sorry, the UK, the whole of the UK, and even, you know, Pele loved him in Beckenbauer. And, yeah, yeah. So he was, he was a real global mm. legend. Um but back to Jamie's excellent question. Uh, VB says, if I'm not allowed to mention the obvious winner, then Clayton's fumble TD versus the Colts has to be up there. That's fairly spectacular. From last season. From last season, mate. You can yeah. add AJ's touchdown against... Uh, yeah. That's fairly uh, amazing. I think... Hubbard's TD and Johnson's TD. You could pick out Lowe's, but and also Memphis Soul Stew um, has kind of <laughs> said that uh, Stanford Jennings... Kickoff yeah, return in shout. Super Bowl 23, mm. which is a great shout. Um, you got any? Most new against Washington. That is absurd, that was. The geezer's in the wildcat. You're thinking he's going to run it into the line for free. And he just rips it straight yeah. in AJ Green's basket. 80-yard touchdown back when the ball was at the 20 when you started from there. That is unbelievable, the geezer. Yeah, absolutely. That was a ridiculous play. For a wide receiver, if Dalton had thrown that, I'd have said it was unbelievable. Let alone, you know, just drop it in the basket like that. 
I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give uh, any play-action pass from Boomer to <coughs> Eddie Brown. And there was one against the Steelers. I think it was 88, which sort of cemented my love for the Bengals. That was just extraordinary. So I think it's on YouTube somewhere. Um, and also any Jeff Blake pass that um, went to Darnay. No, sorry, Carl Pickens or Darnay mm. Scott in you know what was a horrible decade. But Jeff Blake's long passes were just things of beauty. Yeah. And one more. I the most spectacular, not necessarily the best or the most incredible, was when Vontae's perfect ran off the field when he intercepted Ben Roethlisberger in that Pittsburgh game. Yeah. That was. I don't know what I thought about that, really. That was a mad play, that was, wasn't it? That I was, was all over the calf. I mean, as a fan, at that <clears> time, you were jumping out of your seat. Go on, I'm not quite sure what he was thinking of. but um, you, well, After all the kerfuffle there, Jim Nance mentioned on commentary, because there was a few flags and stuff was going on, yeah. and he said that he thought that Burfitt, because he picked the ball up and ran the opposite length for the field, didn't he? And he went yeah. into the tunnel. And Jim Nance mentioned on commentary that he thought Burfitt might not have been touched. So it would have been a safety or a touchdown for the Steelers. So I remember panicking about that. <laughs> that uh, my emotions had never ran so high, I don't think, Absolutely. of all that. Okay, Logie B513 at Logie513. Before anybody gets too upset about our young or unknown coaching hires, think about this. Marv hired Aaron Rodgers, QB coach, the Cowboys O-line coach, Darius Slays DC, and multiple OCs who would become or have been head coaches. We wanted a change from Marv. We are getting just that. Now, I think he's he's a real... Um, Logie is a real Andy Dalton fan and, a, I think, a Marvin fan. So I think he's maybe being slightly sarcastic. Mm. Not quite sure what he's aiming at there, but I think he's trying to say... If you listen to this, Logie, correct me if I'm wrong. You're trying to say that, you know, actually Marvin did all this good stuff and where are we now? We're uncertain and yeah, yeah. that's part of the fun though, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I said earlier in the podcast. It's difficult when you, you're evaluating coaches to really know how good they are. It's so difficult because you don't, can't watch their product. I mean, you, you can argue that the players are an exemplification of that. Yeah. But... Are they really? It's so difficult, isn't it? It just really is a difficult one for fans to grade. I mean, it's difficult enough to sometimes rate players. Yeah, that's right. That you can actually watch every minute on the field, let alone coaches behind the scenes. Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. Hello, lads. Hope you're well. Hello, Sam. Does John Ross get more 50 plus yard TDs than our backfield gets picks? And I'm lopsided madly. Now, when when he says backfield, I'm assuming secondary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, does our secondary get more interceptions than John Ross gets 50-plus yards TDs? Easily. I'd say cut out of 50-plus, and they'd probably still get more. Well, I don't know, because he did get... I got seven TDs last year, so... Yeah, I would say easily the backs over 50 yards. I think, yeah, it's a tricky one. Depends how they're going to use him. I mean, the right way is to kind of get him to stretch the field and, and mm. do all that kind of stuff. But I just hope he takes an improvement, a step forward next year. Because yeah, he's, yeah. he's got everything in his locker. I hope he stays healthy. I hope he can They'll really... Zach Taylor, John Ross is the one player that's going to benefit from Zach Taylor. You'd I hope think. so. You really so. would hope so. Uh, Michael Smith at solid underscore handle. Solid handle. Uh, will the Bengals make a splash in free agency? Given the Browns making moves, the Steelers imploding, 
which has said that uh, Brown, Brown yeah. formally has asked for a trade. Um, surely with Clowney, Lawrence and Thomas available, a marquee signing would boost interest. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I agree with a lot of what Paul said when he came on about, you know, Duke Tobin and his philosophy. The only thing that I would say is I think Mike Brown has made it very clear that the fans are a key influence yeah. behind the decision to move on from Marvin. And whether you like it or not, whether you think it's a good business decision... I think you owe it a bit to the fans, whether I think this is a good decision or not, to make a bit of a splashy signing to keep them on side. Not only because they're the fans, they pay, but you've got to get them their bums in the seats. You know, and I think if you went out and got a clowny, not necessarily we need clowny, but if you went out and got him, people get the they go out and get the jerseys, they go out and buy their season tickets, yeah. you use him on your social media, like the Reds have done. And I think with the Cincinnati Reds going out there and getting all these geezers, you know, over from um over from LA and all the Cincinnati excited, there's more that's that's Bengals fans with their money. They might go and watch the Reds instead. So you've yeah. got to compete with that. Hundred percent. I mean I, I think actually defensive end is a need for yeah. us, sneaky yeah, yeah. need for us this year. Um and there's some good ones, uh, good defensive ends knocking about. Certainly in the draft, I think that's yeah, yeah. We might be able to pick one up in the draft actually. But yeah, I mean, for me, you've got you've absolutely got a target. Let's go to the ugly game at ugly game. Um, um, have you guys given any thought to potential Bengals cuts? Not many terrible contracts we can get out of, but you could cut Cordy Glenn, who's owed nine point five million dollars. Uh, dead money zero perfect owed 7.4 million dead money 1.8 million geo owed 4.5 million dead money 0.75 million you can nearly save like 20 mil on with all that i don't think they're going to cut cordy glenn no, i wouldn't want to either no 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 not um, after you gave up that position in the draft perfect 100 percent. 100 percent. yeah now geo is an interesting one i actually think i, I didn't I, know I, that stat that's not bad uh, he's like apparently the 11th Best paid running back in the NFL. God, that's bad, isn't it? And I wouldn't be surprised, as much as we love yeah, Joe, yeah, and as yeah. much as I think he's a tremendous player, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like a Geo yeah. was either traded or, you know, it's those sort of tough decisions. Who's going to trade for that contract, though, if you're saying no Don't. one's going to? Because he's not a top 10 running back, Geo, no, is he? No, but it's interesting. But yeah, I mean, we. we who knows? Who kn- we will see. Free Very interesting, though, naming Gio as a surprise cut because I don't think many people will be thinking <coughs> he's a great guy and he's a good player. But when you phrase it like that and look at well, the well, money, if it comes just purely down to finances, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think with run- the running back position, you can really. I mean, you've got Mixon, your guy. They're going with him next season. You could pick up another free agent guy. Could, could draft a guy. I mean, apparently, um, I think I read somewhere that the new either the new running backs coach or Callahan has ties to Alex Collins from the Ravens. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. he's a free agent. So, you know, you could get a cheaper version. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So And you can yeah. draft a guy. There's a, apparently the running back core in his draft's quite good in rounds three to four. Yeah. Draft a geezer. You got Mark Walton who want more playing time. They well, they gave up a fairly up. he wasn't great last year. But they gave it they put a fairly early pick on him. So yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Right, uh, we're drawing to a close, you'll be very pleased to know. Um, the Holy Grail at Holy Grail Banks, and that's our old friend Jim Mooring, who uh, who owns the uh, uh, the Holy Grail, which is the big sports bar that's situated on the banks in between. Well, it's kind of directly opposite uh, Great American Ballpark. Mm. Uh, so if anybody goes <coughs> to Cincinnati, go to the Holy Grail, and you've got the Mooring 
lager house just a few doors down. So go and drink and eat and be merry at those fine places. Um, best guess on when we will be told what the date of the Bengals-Rams game is and the venue. Well, interesting. Um, I would say it'll be springtime uh, when the schedules come out. You would hope so. Yeah, maybe a week or two before when the actual schedule comes out. Yeah, exactly. I, so, yeah, I, w- I would stay tuned, um, Jim, when it um, when the schedules come out. So, yeah, kind of March, April time. Yeah. Um, we're obviously still waiting to hear whether it's going to be Wembley or White Hart Lane for the Bengals game. And obviously the the exact dates. But I, I personally am expecting it kind of mid to late October time. Um, yeah, just depending on, on on where the venue is, but yeah, yeah, it won't be long, and then we can really start to ramp up the excitement. Um, and that's about it, really. Um, I think. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I mean, I think we've gone over a lot. I think, apart from the DC hire, I think it might go a bit quiet for about three weeks. Would you say moving forward to like the combine? Yeah, we've and got. Even then, we've got. Know. You know what? I mean, our plan. You know, there is stuff going to be going on. Mm. It is an unusual off-season in Cincinnati because of all these coaches and all the rest of it. Um, we So there is going to be stuff going on. So check our feeds for news. Check Paul Dana's feed. Mm. Check Kat Terrell's feed. Kat, uh, check uh, Fletcher Page's feed. Check ours. We'll be retweeting anything. We'll be asking you, uh, you guys uh, for your opinions on DC hires, is anybody out there going to be watching the combine? Weirdly, I do dip into it, and then I kind of think, "What the hell am I doing?" <laughs> watching people kind of jump up and down and get measured. Oh, it's just such a weird thing. But um, we are going to be we're going to be taking the rest of February off. Um, we're going to be back in early March. We've got two or three episodes planned. Yeah, some good. If they all come off, they're going to be enormous. So uh, mm-hmm. hopefully with free not agents. Not what they'd think as well. Not quite what you'd think, but um, some potentially amazing guests. Uh, and of course, you know, we'll have free agency and all the rest of it. And then we're going to be doing like another couple of three towards draft um, in April. So yeah, keep it locked as they say. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can by tweeting us at whoday underscore UK or getting in touch with us on Facebook uh, on our Bengals UK page. So it only remains for me to say it's a who day for me and a who day for me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.